you've been looking for a podcast to help you transform your physical and mental one that'll shoot you straight between the eyes with truth and no bs helping you have the right mindset to accomplish things the iron will and fortitude to follow through with what you say you're going to do no excuses Mark owns martial arts schools, and after 30 years, he has some real insight for real talk, real life, real conversations, motivational, fitness, self-defense, weight loss, live from the Great 1-8. This is Real Talk with Mark Cox. All right, that looks like we're good. Looks like we're live now, so we're good to go. All right. So if anybody's joining in, we already got people kind of popping on. So we'll we'll have, uh, you know, I usually have a pretty good crowd that comes on these um, lives and then uh, we'll share it out both video and audio wise. And people can be able to hear it on their cars and stuff like that. And uh, so you guys have seen a little bit of introduction of Patrick. Patrick's been with me since he's a really a, a little kid. And now he's a, a father, you know, husband and a school owner himself. And the reason I brought him on, guys, is because I think he's got, we always talk about some real talk, he's got some real uh, adversity that he passed in his own life, and to become where he's at today is is uh, a testament to uh, perseverance for sure. So with no further ado, this is Patrick Prager. Patrick, I'm going to go ahead and have you you know, introduce yourself, let him know that you're married and about your child and and kind of that that part of it so everybody can know who your wife is and and your children all right so with no further ado let's go from there patrick all right hey everyone i'm patrick uh, patrick prager and uh, i've been training with with mr cox since uh late 95 early 96 so it's been uh it's been over 25 years 26 years now which is the, the giant majority of my life so he's he's definitely kind of a second father to me um <laughs> And, uh, you know, I, I've been in, I've been living in Chatsworth my whole life, uh, about five or six years ago, um, after teaching for Mr. Cox for many years, I decided that, that I wanted to go open up my own school. So with his blessing and, and with his support, I, I opened a school up in Santa Clarita to kind of help expand the, the American Tongsudo Alliance that direction. Cause at that time there weren't any Tongsudo schools, um, kind of associated with our Alliance here over in that area. Um, I also have, like Mr. Cox mentioned, I have my wife and my daughter, my daughter is turning two this year. So that's been a whole nother experience. Um, you know, having a a kid for the first time, you have a lot of ideas, especially if we're talking about martial arts, you have a lot of ideas about what parents should do with their kids, uh, (laughs) until you have a a kid of your own for sure. Yes, I have experienced that. (laughs) I thought I was the ultimate parent when I had no children in the beginning and thought I was really, really brilliant on how to tell others to, um, <laughs> how to raise their children. Yeah, absolutely. That was, uh, that was a myth for sure. I look back on it now and, uh, I remember kind of being in restaurants and going, man, my child would never be acting like that. Yeah. My child never, did, never did not act like that after I had one, you know? So we just started to be, uh, we just started to go. <laughs> we just said, you know, we ain't going out with you guys. That's what's yeah, happening. That's- so oh, say yes. hi to Ronnie. Ronnie's on here. Have you ever met Ronnie, Patrick? Uh, yeah, Ronnie I was there when Ronnie went and uh, he talked to one of the black belt teams. Oh, uh, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was there. I introduced myself and, and we're kind of Facebook friends, but um, 
Um, he, I love seeing all his posts. He's a very uh, inspirational yeah. guy. He's a good, yeah, he's a cool cat, man. Yeah. He's a good, he's a good friend. He's a good dude. I don't want your head filled up too much, Ronnie, but you're a good guy. Um, so let's talk about the early times, man, where you did. So you were in Chatsworth. I was on the corner of Lassen and DeSoto. Why don't you tell everybody, we've told the story before on how you started to come to martial arts or had your parents come in and bring it to me. Let's talk about that real quick. Yeah. Well, you know, I tried all these other sports, um, I, play, I was every sport in school I played, you know, I was on, it had seasons. I went to a Catholic school, so they had seasons. They had, you know, they had volleyball season and basketball season, football season, all that stuff, soccer season. Mm-hmm. Uh, I played baseball, but nothing really hit for me um, until, uh, you know, I saw your school on the corner there. So we, we just kind of randomly, because you were close to our house, um, came in and, 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 and did a trial lesson. And I was there for a couple months um, before the the story I think you're referring to here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we had a, a really good family friend, Stanley Z, who went to that same school with us. And we were in this after school program and playing around. I'll, I'll say playing around, Mr. Cox. <laughs> and uh, and uh, <laughs> we were running around with this, uh, this uh, you always forget this foam baseball bat. You like to say baseball bat. Was it a baseball bat? It was a baseball bat. Okay, so I wasn't lying. (laughs) And uh, we—I'll just say—we got a little rough. We uh, we were hitting each other back and forth with that baseball bat, and uh, and I was just a very new white belt at your school at that time. And uh, of course, the school called up Stanley's parents and mentioned, "Hey, you know, we got to let you know that the kids are playing around and your son got hit by a baseball bat." So uh, the first thing they did was was give you a call and say, "Listen, this." uh, (laughs) This kid we helped bring to your school, he's running around hitting people with baseball bats. So, of course, I got pulled into the office and got a, a little talking to, I'll just say. Yeah. Um, but it was a learning experience. Yes, I remember. <laughs> I love telling the story, too, because I do embellish it a lot more than what it really was. Um, but that's the fun but, way to do it. Right. That's true. I'm not going to. Yeah, I remember. I remember it well. Uh, um for sure you know carson's saying hello hey carson uh, do you uh, looks like ronnie's on on but this is good that ronnie gets to talk he's a pretty busy dude so it's, it's awesome that he's on awesome. here so yeah, thanks for um watching. uh so when you um when you did this i remember now so you were right down the street from me and i you know back then you know i i think you started with me i don't even know if i had children yet did i have michael yet or not Michael was born in 92. Um, Mikey was yes. born in 1992. Yes. He, so. was, he was only a couple years old. Yeah, so he's he like little. Okay. Yeah. So I remember back in those days with Stanley Z. He's another one, and you guys grew up together in the studio. Stanley Z went on to get a black belt right along with it. Probably, I think he was one of my youngest black belts I ever had. And um, to see you guys now, 25 years later, I mean, how the years just tick by. And I remember getting calls from your folks saying, hey, you know, you got to talk to Patrick. He's uh, – whacking people with baseball bats. Uh, yeah. um, and then I used to go and pick you guys up too from kindergarten. Right. I mean, I remember doing that. I remember going to OLV and picking you guys up. And so you did, you just kind of grew up a, a gym rat, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. You know what I mean? And, you know, I look back on those times and I used to do this all the time. And it just, it was just so, you know, to have that kind of confidence uh, from parents back then you know, Mr. Cox and you pick them up today. So then just bring them to the school so they can hang yeah. out. I mean, I, you know, you guys grew up in that and 
That's just something Chatsworth did forever. And it looks like it's the same way it is today, even in our school. And I'm sure that you've carried on that tradition where people just come and they hang out and their kids are there and they're there for two or three hours and the kids are running around and, you know, it's just kind of a family thing. So I know that this has been something uh, that you've grown up with. Did you always feel like you wanted to have a martial arts school? Well, I always had kind of two passions, um, which was art of some form. So that, that was drawing initially. Um, I, I became an art major before I transferred uh, into recreation like, like Michael did. Um, but when I was kind of a teenager and, and uh, after my health thing that we'll talk about in a bit, I'm sure, I kind of had to make a decision about which direction my life was going to go. And, uh, and I, I really just kind of sat for months and, and thought about it and, and determined that art for me uh, was more of a, like a hobby and a passion and it transformed into photography and all that stuff. But the one true consistent in my life was martial arts. And like mm -hmm. you mentioned that, you know, I was there every day for multiple hours on Saturday from 9am through all the classes, always staying for demo teams. So I was there from 9am to, you know, 2pm every Saturday for 20 years right so mm -hmm. that's just my life it was martial arts um and luckily i had some support some family support after after my dad passed um to help me do this um so it just really worked out that way so that's another thing those that are listening right now i'm not sure you know this even when you're when your students listen to you what an avid artist you were i mean i remember us having you kind of draw some stuff for us or you did some yeah. murals for me and you fixed some stuff at the studio here and just how talented you were as far as drawing goes and um so and then you mean then i watched you kind of transition into your photography right and, you know, I've always had kind of an art side to myself, but I could never do what you guys do. I'd never had the talent to draw. My, my children can do it, but I, I just never could. So um, it's funny that I've taken up photography this year. Yeah. You know what I mean? And uh, I don't know. I guess there's just something calming about it to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. I know you've so you I think you you've had some artwork now that has even won some prizes. Is that correct? Some landscape um, yeah. thing. What, 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 what's your, uh, what's that look like? So, uh, basically I kind of inherited my dad, dad's camera. Um, and, uh, just growing up, we used to go to all these national parks, you know, four or five times a year. And this was, you know, this is when your parents would just throw you in the car and, you know, you didn't have a phone or anything. So you would drive six, eight, 10 hours to go to Yosemite or to mm -hmm. Glacier National Park or whatever. Um, but we always found ourselves at Yosemite as kind of the big one. And my dad was always a photographer. He actually worked in, um, in television for, as a videographer for quite a few years, but he loved film photography. Um, so when we would go to these national parks, um, especially as a teenager, you know, when you're a teen, if there's something your parents want to do, you, you want nothing to do with it. So I kind of had a, <laughs> a bad attitude about it as a teenager. I just wanted to stay in the car and, and read or play my Game Boy or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but then after my dad passed, um, maybe after like two or three years after that, I, I started to enjoy that again. My wife is a big outdoors uh, woman as well, so we, we would go together. And I started to realize that when I brought my camera with me, it, uh, 
it really kind of changed the experience. It made it even more exciting for me, right? You go to a beautiful place and, uh, and not only are you experiencing it, but now you get to kind of capture a piece of it. So we would spend a lot of time at Yosemite and, and I would take many of my photos there. And, uh, I, and I, essentially there's something called the Yosemite Conservancy. Um, they put out, a, they're, they're really responsible for keeping Yosemite clean. They do all these cleanup efforts. They get hundreds of people involved in, in cleaning up the park and they, you know, they get all these donations and they do this competition for their calendar and for donations. So one of my photos won the, the that competition, won the cover for that. Um, AAA also does uh, their their monthly kind of magazine, and they do a, a yearly photography competition as well. And that same photo won um, that one as well, an honorable mention on that one. Yeah, that's so awesome. And so now, now when I started, <laughs> it's like anything else. But I, I, don't you think that photography or, or anything of that sort, it kind of centers you a little bit. It, it, it just kind of coincides with martial arts. You know, the arts just kind of are the arts, whether it's martial arts or it's photography or it's art, it's music, whatever that is. It's such a um, it's they such intertwine each other, man. It's really it's good. I guess it's a centering thing. You know, I just. um you know, I don't do it for a living, so I really enjoy it because it's not yeah. really something I have to make money at. So I'm not I'm not pushing for it all the time, you know. So I just get to enjoy the process, and it was fun being able to call you up. And now I got I have uh, somebody that's more professional than I am, and yeah. I said, Patrick, what do you think, man? What do you think about my stuff? And yeah, and uh, so where can they see your artwork? I know that you have an Instagram page, right? Right. Yeah. Instagram. If they go to it's my initials P J P, so it's pj photoscapes is my instagram handle pj yeah. photoscapes um, so i think what we'll, what we'll, we'll do with that also you know what you ought to do um you can post comments are you on a computer right now on the uh, comments right there can you see where you can post or not yeah. you well, probably I'm just the, i'm on the iphone so i'll do oh it you're on the iPhone. iphone i'll do it right now so yeah. it's it's pj photoscapes uh, Photoscapes. Is this on, on Instagram? It is, yeah. And all my photos are there. I, I, I just posted actually in the comments as well. Oh, there you go. All right. Yeah. Okay. On, on, on IG. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, you know, I encourage you guys to go see. It's always awesome to see some of uh, they. They don't. Some people don't also realize that you're, you know, your brother and you are the ones that came up the ranks. You're both your brother and yourself are our black belts here and yeah. just being um, um, the Prager brothers were something awesome. And I mean, we had a great experience. Uh, I remember one of the most memorable things of you guys remember when we got to go in front of the Lakers, right at halftime. Yeah. And we got to do a martial arts show at the Staples center during halftime. Uh, the, the Alliance did and, and the Prager brothers were doing some swords. I mean, I, I remember that really well, that fight scene from you guys and uh you know, you and your brother being able to, uh, to do this, uh, together. So it was, that was awesome. And so it's just, it's just to see the the correlation. So I just want to make sure people understand that where your art, your art background came from your artist part background and your mm-hmm. photography and, and stuff like that. So we're going to, and then you went into recreational management, kind of like Michael <laughs> did. You guys yeah. had the most fun time in college ever. Every time I talk to Michael, I'm like, Mike, so what's your semester look like? Oh, dad, it's wakeboarding and we're going to be hiking. And I'm like, bro, yeah. 
and yeah, uh, Michael, Michael really, he really took advantage of all those. those yeah, uh, he did. He, he, sure. yeah, he just loved it. You know what I mean? And, and I don't know you, I mean, you guys can do that. You know, you can be, um, uh, you know, you can do, do lots of stuff with it, believe it or not. So it yeah. is what it is. Right. Yeah. So, Oh, wait a second. I, you know what? Carson said that was his degree as well. Are you kidding? Wow. <laughs> If I was ever going to do college, I think I'd go yeah. that route where it's I could awesome. play. So because you get a little bit of the business too, you know, there's classes about that. Um, I had to write up a business plan, so that's kind of what put the seeds in my mind for writing up that business plan. And and I don't know if you remember, but that's actually how I started doing. Um, you had to have internship hours, so I had to get official internship hours with you. Right. I remember you you coming to me say, "Hey, I, I need in, I need an intern." And, uh, of course we did it because I think after that, I think you went off, uh, I don't know if it was big bear or something where you were there running a gym and doing martial arts there. Is that correct? Yes. So that was, um, so that was, um, kind of just, well, I was still in college. I guess I had just graduated. My dad had just passed away. Um, and I needed a, a little bit of a change of scenery after that happened. So my father-in-law owned a weightlifting gym up there in Big Bear. Um, so I went up and after doing the internship with you and learning some stuff, I went to, to learn a little more of the business stuff. And, and I essentially ran the gym for him, um, a lot of the day to day. And, uh, and I, I started up a martial arts program there. I had a couple kids as kind of an after school thing. So that was, a it's kind of these stepping stones, right? The changing from art to recreation, tourism management, and then doing the internship with you. And then after my dad passed, going up to Big Bear and, and running the, the weightlifting gym, seeing what a day-to-day gym is like and, uh, and starting my own program there. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, yeah, that's definitely a testament to where you were. So when you, when let, let's talk about, because you had something major happen to you when you were a teenager, yeah. uh, 18 or 19. And, um, I remember getting the phone call that you actually had a heart attack, right. um, you know, let's talk about that, what that, what, what that experience was. And it was that life changing for you. Yeah. It changed my entire life. Um, uh, so initially after high school, I went to Cal state long beach and, uh, I was in the dorm rooms there and, and, uh, that's kind of when I first started to experience, uh, some depression. My dad had, um, obsessive compulsive disorder, which is an, an anxiety disorder. Um, so I had a little bit of that anxiety disorder in my family history and it, and it started to hit me there when I was in college. And I think just, um, the, the dorm room experience mixed with kind of being unsure where I wanted to go in life. Um, uh, I think that contributed to me getting sick and what happened was, uh, a virus and, uh, we don't know exactly what happened. Um, but a virus essentially attacked my heart, the lining of my heart. I got really sick for a week. I came home and, and took a week off classes and I was feeling so sick here at home. I started to feel a little bit better. So I drove on a Friday, um, back to my dorm at Long Beach and I got there and, uh, and then I just wasn't feeling right. I started to feel like some tightness in my jaw and, uh, in my shoulder blade actually was the big one almost like the way I describe it was like a vice grip slowly tightening on your shoulder. And I just was trying to roll it out. And, and I thought maybe if I was stretch or just kind of walk around, but it just kept getting more and more and more intense. So after mm. about an hour of this, 
uh, I, I called my mom and I was just like, I don't know what's going on, but there's this pain. I described it. And she thought she's like, that sounds like a heart attack. But when you're an 18 year old kid, you know, how do you get a heart attack? Right. So right. Mm -hmm. we had no idea. And she's like, well, listen, I'm going to, I'm just going to drive over there. So that's like a 45 minute drive, um, or an hour. So by this point, I'd been having the heart attack essentially for about two hours by the time she got there. And we hopped in the car and took me to the ER. And uh, they they started, you know, hooking me up to all the EKGs and all that stuff. And they, they're like, I mean, it looks like you're having a heart attack. So they called in these doctors that were sleeping. Everyone wanted to kind of come see what was going on because how does an 18-year-old have this? Um, so then they they determined it was, and they transferred me to ICU and I took an ambulance right over and I was in ICU for a couple of days. Um, and a vivid memory for me was when they, um, they put a line in through your artery in your leg and the nurse, you know, probably as a throwaway comment, but it, it really kind of stuck with me there for a couple of days. It was like, it, you gotta be careful. You have a line now in your artery. And if you move, you know, this will sever your artery and you're going to bleed out. Right. <laughs> which is something, a weird thing to tell a kid. So I was just kind of like stuck like a mummy, not moving, afraid to do anything for a couple of days there. Um, they released me and uh, I was just, I became a part of this ongoing study, which I think I still am um, for, uh, you know, trying to figure out what happened. Cause I think there was a, a, a couple of these cases where kids who were young, 18, 19, 20 experienced these symptoms. And years later, they determined it was uh, myocarditis, which is a, a virus attacking the lining of your heart, mimicking a heart attack um, instead of, you know, the traditional heart attack that you might get. Um, but that was a, a definitely a formational experience for me being that young. And, uh, you know, I'm sure you remember, and, and especially with martial arts being this part of your life, your physical identity is, is almost your entire identity. So when yes. you're 18 mm -hmm. and you're like peak martial artist, and that was my whole life to then be sidelined and saying, you can't do any, any physical thing at all for a year and your body kind of betrays you that that'll send you down into a little bit of a spiral for sure. Well, I remember vividly about that. Now, let me ask you, so you've hit on several things there mm -hmm. where you had a little bit of depression and did this, did that thing send you into any more depression? Okay. Yes, that uh, that sent me down into a couple of years of depression, a super dark time in my life. Um, yeah, very dark time in my life. That's when I started um, taking multiple multiple medical withdrawals from college because um, I couldn't finish my semester. There were times and and I feel totally fine at this point sharing this because I, I share it with my students a little bit, especially students who experience the same thing. I mean, there were days where I, I couldn't even walk from the bed to the shower. Just taking a shower was an overwhelming thought that I couldn't experience. And then in your rational brain, you're thinking, how weak are you, right? You, you, right. What is wrong with you? There are people that have so many worse things going on in their life. Just go take a shower. Why can't you get to class? And of course, that sends you down a worse spiral. So um, luckily, my, luckily, I hung in there. Um, and my, and my parents and specifically my dad, um, because with his OCD, he had to do some therapy. He started going with me every week, um, going with me to therapy. And, uh, afterwards we would go have lunch right after. 
and that combination of a little bit of medication and therapy and just um, spending some some time with my supportive family kind of helped me down that track. Um, and we'll kind of this will kind of touch into I think something else you're you're going to want to talk to me about in a second. But um, unfortunately, right at kind of the tail end of that process, my dad died, um, mm-hmm. and and I that was that was a decision point in my life. I could then tailspin and just really let depression take over completely, or I could make a change. And, uh, and I chose at that point when I moved to Big Bear after my dad passed away that, you know, I have, I don't really have the option to be depressed anymore. You know, I have to be kind of the man of the house for lack of a better term. Uh, I have my girlfriend who I think is going to become my wife at that point. Um, you know, I have some dreams that I want to do that if I don't take care of, that I'm, I'm just never going to have them happen. I'll just keep taking medical withdrawals in college and nothing's ever going to change. So out of kind of darkness there, my dad's passing really kind of flipped a switch in my brain and, uh, and had me go forward down this path I'm on now. Yeah, I and we spoke a little bit before this today. So, I mean, this is some... I think this is is great for everybody to listen to what your story really looks like because first of all being a male you know uh and and hear that there's OCD and you know there's not a lot of male mental health anyway no okay and uh that your father already had something and he probably had a way in to have somebody that was probably working with him also right oh, yeah. and and then, so this is, what was the year? What was the year of dad's passing? 20, 2012. 2012. Right. Yeah. I, okay. So 2012, Kathy has some kind of weird, um, you know, my cat has some kind of a weird virus, right? Out of the blue. We don't even know what it was. Something in Vegas. And she's in the hospital. And I mean, it was touch and go. And then all of a sudden I see, I run into you in the hospital. And then you tell me that she, and you said, Hey, my dad's not, not doing well. And I remember saying to you, I said, let me wrap this up with Kathy. Let me go at least see him. Okay. And, um, wow. Carson said that's the same year his dad died too. And so, and then I remember you saying he's not doing real well, Mr. Cox. I don't know if we can go in there just yet. And then, and then, um, and then while we're in the hospital, you, that the next time I see you, you're, you're like, that has passed. And I was like, wow, I was just super taken back by it. Cause I remember it vividly. And then, so right before the show today, you tell me that today is dad's, it's the ninth year of his passing today on this day. We just happened to choose this day for your, your day. And this is the, the anniversary of, of, of your father's passing. It is. And so I knew that that was super, uh, I remember you having the talk with me, you telling me that you're going to Big Bear and you're like, you know, it's, it's sink or swim. And um, I, if if I know me, I probably, you know, encourage you, but gave you tough love too. you know, yeah. you're going to either yeah. listen, Patrick, you know, you're either going to sink or swim now at this time. You know, depression isn't part of the problem anymore. It is, is not part of the solution anymore, yeah. you know, and, you know. And I'm sure your father did not want you having to be in his footsteps. I'm sure he, he, you, he, I'm not, I'm not speaking for your dad. I'll let you speak for him, but I'm sure he says, I don't want you, I don't want you living in these shoes like I live in. I want you going past that. 
And so let's talk about dad's passing. Cause I know for Carson too, you two men, I mean, I remember this vividly and I remember Carson, I remember having phone calls with him too, with his father and him laying with his dad. Why, you know, that's the week that he was going to be passing. You know, I gotta be careful cause I'll start tearing up, yeah. but, uh, uh, of his dad's passing and this kind of, I don't know. I guess this is what forged the relationship with Carson is forged the relationship with you is when dad did. So let's talk about that. Uh, the day it happened with dad and, and, and the talks that you had with your father, how that, yeah. how that changed course for you. Yeah. You know, I had, uh, my dad and, and you know, you can attest to this. My dad was like the gentlest guy out there. You know? Yeah, he was. Um, he had such a strange manifestation of his OCD. So the, what he lived life experiencing was he would see himself reaching out and hitting or running into people or just harming people. Um, and then he would obsess over it. And, and this would be completely nonsensical because we're talking about like, he would see his arm stretching 20 feet across the street. If there was a pedestrian cross on the other side and hitting them. So that's why he couldn't drive. So I grew up with just my mom driving. And eventually when my brother and I got older, we would drive. I also grew up always walking behind my dad's shoulder, even as like a little, I'm talking like a five, six, seven year old. Um, I would walk behind him because I would have to reassure him if he got stuck in this thought loop that he didn't hit anyone. And of course he's never hit anyone in his whole life. Right. But if we walked by a group of people, and especially if there was kids walking by, he would turn around and just make sure that he didn't harm anybody. And I would have to say, Dad, it's okay. I was right behind you. You know, nothing happened. You're okay. But there would be times where we would have to, um, we would have to, if we were leaving, let's say like the zoo, right? He might have to, we got to the car, he would have to walk all the way back into the zoo and sit there for 20, 30 minutes, just making sure that no one called the police on him, that no one, uh, no one was crying or no one was hurt. Um, these, so this was kind of something I grew up with. Um, but on the, the flip side, my dad was also one of the few people with that level of an anxiety disorder who held a full-time job for, you know, 40 years. He worked at Cal State Northridge, provided a great life for my brother and I, super loving dad. Um, so I don't want to give the wrong impression, um, in that regard, but you know, he, uh, he also had to, because of that level of, of anxiety disorder, he had to take a, a giant cocktail of medication. Um, he was not one of those people that medication was a choice. If he didn't take it, he, he would just not be able to function. Mm -hmm. And that, um, that'll really do a number on your liver. Um, so that in combination with, um, you know, sometimes he would have weeks that just he could he could just barely get through that week. And if you have like one or two beers um, in combination with that alcohol or with the medication, it's eventually going to start to hit your liver. So we found out um, probably about three or four months before his passing that he had cirrhosis of the liver from his high cocktail medication. Um, and, uh, and he was told that he had only maybe, you know, six months to a year to live. Um, <clears throat> so I remember being in the house when they told us that, and that's, I mean, 
when you're 24, 25, and then your parents sit you down and say, listen, your dad's probably going to pass away in, in six months. That's, that's quite a conversation to have. Yes. Um, but unfortunately, he didn't even make it those six months. He got sick um, after about two or three months, went to the hospital. Um, when I first ran into you, he was on the upper floors. He was sick, but he wasn't deathly sick, at least we thought. Um, but then within a day, it went to pneumonia, got into his lungs, and he moved in less than 24 hours from the upper floors right into ICU, had to be intubated, and that was that was pretty much it after a day or two. Went from, went from talking to him to um, he had a tube down and he couldn't speak to me and I could only look at him in his eyes. Um, so that's a, yeah, that's quite an experience. Yeah. Yeah. As a young guy. And, uh, but, um, so we don't, so we don't, um, just be on a bummer note with dad. Oh yeah. Let's have some fun stuff with him because he was a Disney freak. Like he I am. was a Disney freak. Okay. Yeah. And he had the most awesome stuff. And they were meticulous for, he was meticulous on his, how he had everything lined up. Cause I've never been at your house and seeing, I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is so freaking awesome. He's got every Disney thing on the planet. Right. Oh, yeah. Cause he was such a Disney freak. And they were, I mean, when I say that's one thing about being uh, OCD, yeah. I mean, I'm sure if I moved uh, that thing a little bit, he would know, you know he what I mean? He yeah. would freak, right? He would let so you my move it, and then after you left, he would go back and he would make a little micro adjustment back. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's so awesome. He would have known. Yeah, he so... would have watched you do it and been like, "Okay, Mister Cox, <laughs> as soon as you're gone, that's it. It's going right back." <laughs> so it's funny because you know my brother is kind of like that. You know, my brother likes to have his stuff super neat. So if you look at all his books, they're kind of like in the right kind of row and all that kind of stuff. So I'd go in his office and I would push every other book in. <laughs> just to mess with my brother. So, um, so yeah. I know that, so I don't want to just yeah. end on such a bummer thing with dad because well, he, yeah. he, it was him and I had that such in common that how much he loved right. Disney. Right. And we well, would talk about it and, uh, and he loved his boys, man. We talked about it all the time. And, and so he, he enjoyed watching his boys do his, your guys, martial arts. So, you know, your pop was, uh, your pop was good. And I know he couldn't be more proud. I know when we were at the funeral that day, I, I, you know, um, matter of fact, you know, I still have pictures on my phone from that day. I think I gave them all to you. I still have pictures, you know, and sometimes the memories pop up on what that was. I'm like, wow, it's already 10, 11 years already or nine. So I was like, man, this time just goes by. Right. I mean, it was just like yesterday. I remember. So I don't want to leave on a super bummer note no. with mental health and all that kind of stuff, because there was another side of dad that just like you said, he worked a full time job. He was at every one of your tests. OK. Yeah. And we would talk yeah. about Disney and we'd laugh and he'd come in here and and tell me what he needs the boys to be working on. And, and you know, oh, yeah. that it, it was it was like it was. And your mom was just a, a warrior. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. And she's, you know, still and she is. still is today. You know what I mean? So just one of those awesome women. So you've just had this great support system. And then here we go. So you've survived all this and you survived dad's passing. And uh, you continue his legacy through you, you know, and I'm so does your brother. You know what I mean? Your brother is no, no slouch. You know, you guys took different paths and, and you both have, have uh, the part of your dad. That's awesome. So 
I don't want to leave on a super bummer part about dad because it can, it can get to see, I'm already tearing up about yeah. it because I remember it like it was yesterday, but, yeah. um, you know, well, and, and then his, what, part of his obsessive compulsive disorder and that him seeing, um, him hurting people is the plus side of this is everyone felt like he was their best friend because whether it was a, a waitress or one of his coworkers or somebody at karate is, is he would just go up to everybody and, and just like, he would, he would befriend them. He would become their best friend. He would learn everything about their family. Part of that was because he wanted to make sure that they were okay and they weren't mad at him. You know, he wasn't like accidentally hurting them, but he would just go to everybody. You know, he, he would, I would have him, even when I got older, I would say, dad, I have a computer problem. Can you call them up? Cause he would call the person up and on the call, he would know like their family's names. He would know the, you know, the kids' birthdays. He was just so uh, good at just making best friends with everybody. And that was a byproduct mm. of his mental health. So there, there are definitely positive sides to that for sure. Yeah, this is awesome. I mean, this is one of those things I made my show for is to get this to, to look at some real stuff because I'm going to have my own son on here at one point, you know, my, my own son dealing with his mental health, uh, Daniel yeah. for sure. And, uh, just to see, uh, you know, young men, uh, dealing with it, you know, I'm a pretty type A type of dude, you know what I mean? And so uh, I pretty much suppress all that because I really don't, you know, I'm not going to go sing Kumbaya with a group of guys and yeah. tell you my feelings. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just, that's just not what I do. But, you know, believe it or not, you got some guys in your corner. And uh, I had that. Matter of fact, I had kind of a breakdown not just two days ago. Guess yeah. who ran to my side? It was Ronnie Camacho. Yeah. You know what I mean? He, he drove right to the gym where I was. Yeah. And I guess that's why uh, that, you know, to have that support system. And if there's anybody here, you being able to share, that's going to hear some of your young guys or even these young girls are going to be able to hear this and go, wow, Mr. Prager did that. Mr. Prager went through that. You know, Mr. Yeah. Cox went through that. You know what I mean? And so that was, this is exactly what I'm looking for in this. And it's, you know, and I love all the motivational stuff, right? But Underlying through all this kind of depressions talk that we have, there is nothing but motivation to to persevere, to win, to uh, look past, to continue a legacy of your father and of yourself. It couldn't be, uh, you know, even listening to you redo it now as a, as a grown man and a father, because now you have somebody else that you have to live for, which is your wife and your children. Right. And so, you know, she's going to your daughter's going to look to you for strength. And I'm just telling you from a dad that has a daughter, you know, you are, you are the role model that she should be looking at in a man in the future. You know what I mean? Cause there are some, a lot of knotheads out there and to deal with and, and uh, you know, your baby shouldn't have anybody but the best. And yeah, yeah. so it's good. It's, it's been great uh, listening to this story, uh, how this thing came about. Now from there, you know, you, so we've, we've got to dabble into your, your art side. And then of course you're a college graduate and, and recreational. So it's just kind of been your passion. So I remember us having the conversation. How long have you had your school now? Opened in uh, October, 2016. So, um, five years. So I remember when you came to me and you're like, Hey, I, you know, can I use the curriculum? Can I do all this stuff? And, um, and I went ahead and helped you kind of set up and I, you know, I was helping you kind of how to negotiate things and how to, and you had a really, uh, um, uh, oh, your mother-in-law put up something. I'm hey, Terry. Be your mother-in-law. 
It's nice. Um, so I remember us talking about this a little bit and you had your little school and just what you thought. And then here, you know, cause I started Simi Valley in a really small location, just like you did. Right. Yeah. And then, uh, of course, Jay Walker has taken it to the next level. And then you see, uh, you know, Jay Gonzalez started it, was there all the time and Jay Walker took it over and then we've expanded. And now you're in that expansion. Um, uh, did you, let's talk about what it was like as a young school owner. Cause you know, we can talk about, cause I've, I've given you to some come to Jesus talks, right? Oh, I yeah. remember you talking to me and I'd be like, I just hammer you. Right. Yeah. And, uh, but you know, you took it with, you took it and then you changed, you changed the stuff that, cause you know how I am, you know, you guys, you guys that have been around me a long time, I'm more of a father figure sometimes than I am yeah. instructor. And then if I don't feel like what you're doing is, is <laughs> has the, uh, the character issue I, I like, then I'm going to call you in the carpet, yeah. excuse me. <laughs> and that's what I did. And you took it and you changed. And, and so you know, here you are, you get to expand your school and stuff like that, and which is awesome. So what was your struggle when you first opened your school? Yeah, you know, my my first struggle was starting a school with zero students. You know, I didn't start with like an after school program or anything like that. So that's always that's always tricky to do, you know. Um, but luckily, I had the experience of teaching for you. Um, teaching after school programs with Kenny through your school as well. Um, teaching, you know, there was a time for a couple of years where I was teaching from white belt through black belt every Saturday at your school, you know, not including the two or three days a week. I was teaching like 12 classes a week at your school. So that really set me up um, as far as instructional side. I always was very confident in my ability to teach, but um, being a businessman is a whole nother level. Um, and I think a lot of good teachers, um, neglect that side. And, uh, luckily I had, you know, the help of my mom and, and yourself and other, you know, people in that arena, you know, you know, Mr. D invited me to seminars with Dave Kovar and, and going to the super show, um, that could help me slowly learn this business side, which I'm still learning to be honest. But, uh, I think luckily just the years of experience of teaching at your school um, from 14, 15, all the way into my twenties really set me up to at least offer um, a level of instruction at the school that kept people sticking around. So even though I, I, I had zero students, the ones I um, was able to slowly attract in the school have stuck around with me. Um, and I'm about to teach, uh, I had my first, black belt team with your team uh, two years ago mm -hmm. and now um those same students um are coming for their second degree and i have almost Amazing. all of them stuck around onto the team you know there's one who kind of left for health reasons due to covid but all the other ones on that team are, are going for second degree now they've all stuck around yeah i remember i remember that test i was stressful right stressful for both Very of stressful. us yeah. you know what i mean it uh that was definitely something and you know i was glad you guys could piggyback off us so that you can get a sense of what that is and now i you know it's a privilege for me when i get to go when you guys invite me hey it's you know it's our black belt test mr cox can you come because i'm sure the i'm sure you guys talk about me and the students are yeah. and i and it's a chance for me to to uh talk about you guys and and your journey so it's it's been uh 
you know, it's been great to see. So let me ask you something. So, you know, Carson Fortner, when he was in school, one of his classes had to do a business side of it, said, asked about um, where he was working, what he would do different. And then at that school at that time, he really didn't like the way the retail and stuff was was ran in the school, right? So he wrote in his paper, that's something I want to change and, and something like that. What do you think? What you th- what did you take from from the school when you're working here? What did you take that you thought this is really good, but in my school I'd like to change this? You know, mm-hmm. you're not going to hurt my feelings, so you can just tell me yeah. what you thought. It's real talk, yeah. Right, right. I want to. So, you know, so what what was the positive that you took, and then what was like? Okay, I, in my school I'd like to change this, this, and this. So yeah. what what did that look like in your thought process? Gotcha. So for me, when I started taking classes at your school, it was you or Mr. Carlin on the mat at all times, right? Um, so there was just like an incredibly high level of instruction every day for every class. Um, and I knew that mm-hmm. I could not, I knew that I could not compete on any level with any school in Santa Clarita, except for the high level of instruction. So, you know, over the years, of course, as Chatsworth grew, you know, I was one of these people, um, as Chatsworth grows, you get all these different people who might teach. So the level of consistency in the classes is not always there, right? You might have right. you on the mat or Mr. Carlin, and then you might have a new uh, a new black belt. Or you might have, if it's an adult class, maybe you have just like a higher level, like a red belt or something teaching that day. And that can add to the school, but um, I didn't have all these other things that I didn't have the culture around that. So I just knew that... Um, if I don't have the, the business acumen that a lot of these people have, if I don't have the size of the mat, I just have to bring uh, Mr. Carlin and Mr. Cox level of instruction every single class, every single day. And that was the one thing that, um, that I could bring. So that's uh, the only thing I could offer and take from your school uh, <clears throat> into mine, really. Yeah. And which you did. And so part of the, I think, and, and, and I know what you're talking about is part of the things that you probably saw is when myself or something and we we're trying to, in that we're in this, uh, and I'm sure you're experiencing this now with your own, with your own people, but where you don't have quite the level you want and, but they're feeling, they're fulfilling something on the mat. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And then, so, you know, so you, you, you What's the word I'm trying to say? You settle, I guess. You yeah. settle while they try and go through their thing. They're either going to sink or swim. Yeah. And then you know how it is. You know you've been around me a long time. If 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 after a while you don't cut it, you know we're we're kind of replacing in, instructors yeah. at this point. You know. And you're right. You can't be on the mat all the time. I can't be on the mat all the time. Mr. Carly can't be on the mat all the time. And <clears throat> so you know you have that. That's uh. I mean that's a really good observation on on your part on what you saw because we see the same thing here. And I, and I'm sure that's why I think, you know, I think one of the things that lacks even in the ATSDA or even in our, in our talks at all with the, the reason Krav is a little more coherent is because we have instructor trainings. Right. Yeah. I think and, so. you know, I look back on this and I'm like, we're not doing this in the traditional martial arts. And I think that's one thing that I'd like to change that's coming up that we actually have these, for the karate students, because I think I can bring something to the table 
and then you guys can bring something to the table because then what you did is you guys have watched me and I've always kind of expanded my, my horizons. And so has Nathan Carlin and I've allowed that to happen. And then it looks like you branched off at some point too to your Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, which you have now in your, your school. Right. And, and coming every, every Friday with us as often as you can to, to enhance your self-defense so that you can put some of this crop stuff in, uh, um, into your curriculum and, and to, to make sure that your, your school can flourish and have students that, that can defend themselves. So when did your Brazilian Jiu Jitsu come into play? When did you start that? Yeah. So that started, um, probably about six months after I opened, uh, you know, it was kind of a fluke. I, so uh, taking a step back, like you mentioned, I always saw you and, and Mr. Carlin, you know, you guys were obviously masters in Tong Shido, but there was always something else you brought in. And for you, Krav Maga was the big thing. You know, Mr. Carlin, his, uh, you know, his C-Lot and, and Dog Brothers and all the stick and knife work. Um, and then, of course, Hapkido for yourself as well. So I was just thinking, well, what is something that I can help if I'm going to be a master in Tongsudo and a school owner, what's something I can then bring into the fold to help uh, maybe even spread out to the other schools over time? Like we all, you know, kind of do for each other. Um, and jujitsu, I think was just a natural fit for me. Luckily at the same time, I had an old friend who I haven't spoken to in 10, 12 years from grade school, actually named Reggie. Uh, he, uh, he reached out and said, listen, I have a friend's husband who lives in Santa Clarita. Uh, he just got his black belt from Alberto Crane at Legacy in Burbank. Um, and he would love to start teaching some classes. So I brought James Uloth in and, uh, and, and met with him and ran through a couple of things with him. And I thought he would be a super good fit. Um, so we started doing some adult classes first and with me and, and only two or three other people as kind of his first students. Um, and, and that's kind of how I officially started ranking up in jiu-jitsu about five years ago. Um, and I have my blue belt mm-hmm. now, but it's been a, it's been a really good, uh, a really good process to fill in any holes that I thought I had, you know, as martial artists, we're always on this quest to kind of look at what our weak points are. It's easy to lean into what you're good at, but, uh, I felt like I personally, you know, when you're, you know, you're a kid and we go to these tournaments, you know, you can just kind of you can just use athleticism to dominate grappling and, and win, you know, your little trophies that way. But as I became older and adult, and as we started to do those, you know, MMA fights with yourself, the, the smokers and stuff, I realized there was a big hole in my ground game. So I really wanted to try mm-hmm. jujitsu then. Yeah, that was great. So, and I'm not sure if, uh, if I don't know if you have it out on YouTube or not, but maybe your students don't know, but you're correct. You did. I don't know. Did you, how many, did you only do one of the fights in the cage or what? Uh, did you do I more did than one? Two, two of the you fights. did two, right? Yeah. And, um, so I remember, and you, did you win both of those? Yeah. I only have one yeah. on video, but I won both of those. Yeah. Uh-huh. So we had these, you're right. We had these smokers and you know, we, <laughs> Just typical Chatsworth, right? We throw up the cage and we throw down and, and we have yeah. a bunch of people here to watch it. And it was definitely a show. I mean, it was, you know, what was that like? What was your experience being in the cage and a- a- having to fight? What was that like? Yeah. The most intense, compact five minutes of my life by far. You know, after the first one, um, I was fighting the same night Michael fought, um, and uh, it was at Chatsworth because I know we had traveled around a couple of places sometimes. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I I essentially 
I, I was winning overconfident because um, I was fighting a guy who wasn't as experienced, but he was much bigger than me. He was like, you know, three or he was like six, three um, and maybe 30 or 40 pounds heavier. <laughs> and I remember you, you gave me a call and you're like, Patrick, I'm trying to find a fight. Do you want to come in? And, uh, and I was like, sure. Um, you know, are we doing like weight classes or anything? And he said, well, he's like 180, but he's going to try and cut down to 170, I think. And I was like, okay, I probably weighed like 145 or 150 at the time. Um, and of course the day of he's, you know, if I said 190, that would be generous, you know? <laughs> so he's a big guy. So, uh, he, uh, he just kind of started bullying me around the ring, just kind of throwing me up against the cage. And he caught me with one body shot that was really hard to recover from. We went to the ground, um, and so this is what I'm talking about with jiu-jitsu, and I didn't mm -hmm. feel comfortable there, and he's throwing punches, and I remember Mr. Conan saying, Patrick, if you don't defend yourself, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish it. Well, that's kind of where the, the Chatsworth mindset came in, where I'm just like, well, losing is not acceptable. So um, I managed to throw kind of a weak triangle choke on there, enough to, to stand back up, and he's leaning against the cage, and um, I caught a guillotine choke, and we both fell down right as the bell rang, so I wasn't sure what had happened, but, um, he was, he was still out. So I realized I won. Yeah. And, and I remember that I just went after the, you know, celebrating, making sure he was okay. Cause he's an awesome guy. Um, I just went to the instructor's bathroom and I, and I threw up from the, I think just from the nerves and I, mm -hmm. I just laid on that ground for 30 minutes. It was, it was such an adrenaline dump. Um, yes. When you, when you train your whole life, but you never have to actually like, you know, when, when, when there's no holds barred, when you have, I mean, there's nothing holding you back, you know, even in like our sparring Monday classes, which can get intense, you're always holding something back. Um, so it's, uh, it's such a valuable experience, I think, as a martial artist to experience and really put yourself in that situation, win or lose, just to see how your mind is going to respond, your body and all that. And, you know, which is great, right? The, we get these experiences that, you know, Michael will say the same thing with his experiences and, uh, you, you know, some of the matches I had and, you know, it's just like life, right? You know, this is, this is where, where today's martial arts, you get to talk about that, but you know, we, if you don't test yourself, and I think that's the thing I love about Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, to be honest oh, yeah. with you. All right, because here's the thing, man. When when you face somebody off the other end, there is no audience. There is nothing. There is you and him, and either you're going to sink or swim. He's going to be the better man or woman that day, or you are, and you're going to have to. You're going to find out the holes in your game. You're going to find out what kind of character you have. You're going to find out everything else. It's 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 walking life through the mat is exactly what yeah. it is. You know, um, am I angry? Do I have a poker face? do I have posed all the time? Cause you know how I am. I, 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 uh, I hate to lose, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I don't like to play not to win. You know what I mean? So a lot of people do this. They right. play not, they play not to lose. Right. They don't win on purpose. You know what I mean? And so, you know, I think this is what the beauty of martial arts and and just your journey at all, all the stuff that we just talked about, just where you came from, your mental health. I mean, is it not just a fight, just like you were in the cage for five minutes? And that five minutes can round up what your life was like as you uh, graduated school, as you had a heart attack, and then you had to fight that, and then you had to 
um, you know, fight your mental health, your dad's, your dad's death, his mental health problems as you, you know, cause once you start to grow to be a man and you kind of look back at your parents, right. You know, um, you know, I've spoken to my own grown children now about this, even, even in their life and seeing their, their lives through their eyes, you know, how it was, you know, me being a single dad, you know, it's, it's there's some brutal talks in that. And so to see all the stuff that you came across, and you still can win a photography contest. Is it not a mindset, right? Yeah. It doesn't really matter whatever we approach. You know, I think that's what you're going to tell your students is this is a mindset, man. Life, right. it, life is going to throw you bombs. God is going to throw you bombs. I'm telling you right there. He's not going to, uh, if you're asking, uh, you know, Lord, give me some wisdom. He's going to throw something right in your face and say, okay, here it is. And now what, 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 what are you going to choose? Right. right? And, uh, you know, it's the mat so much like life. I think that's what makes it such a beautiful, uh, experience, you know, altogether. It's, uh, even at my age, you know, watching you guys, I've said this before, as you guys become more um, workout partners with me, I, I know I have the ability to to give you guys advice on how to be a better teacher or how to, you know, translate this on the mat when you're having, you know, physical difficulties. This is a good way to translate this. Here's some hints. This is what I've learned over the years. That's where I'm at. But to see you guys now get to come in here and I got to, you know, I got to be on my A game when I wrestle around with you guys, man. It's not like I can just dick around anymore, you know, like I used to, and you know. Yeah. Uh, so it's fun to have my students become peers and become workout partners. And, and now we're, we're, now we're kind of, uh, in this thing together, right? We're, we're all kind of, we've got jujitsu instructors and we're kind of, you know, plugging back and forth on what that looks like. And I'm sure once, uh, you know, we're having a, uh, a jujitsu tournament in October, we're doing one October 30th, we, 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 uh, the great, uh, you know, is something off the great pumpkin something or other, whatever it is. (laughs) Right. And, uh, and so we're going to have a grappling only tournament. And so, you know how it's going to be, you're going yeah. to bring your students. I'm going to have mine there. We're going to be super competitive because that's just the way that's the nature of our, of how we are. And it's just going to be a fun, um, it's just going to be a fun, a fun, uh, yeah, opportunity awesome. for everybody. So it's good to see, uh, oh yeah, Dickie. Yeah, here it is. The grapple lantern. Grapple that's lantern. what it's called. I, like it. <laughs> <laughs> I think Dickie came up with that name. It was a good one. Um, nice. So, you know, the, uh, wait a second. Is it the great grapple lantern? You know, the great pumpkin, Charlie Brown, Yeah. something that you would remember our students. Yeah. My students don't even know what cartoons are anymore. <laughs> it drives me crazy. I'm like, what I the make frick, these references man? And they, don't even, yeah, they, don't they even have no clue. About. You know, I'm just like, right. wow, you guys, you didn't, you missed the, the whole time. So, but <laughs> yeah, so this was, um, this was good for me, you know, as we get to winding down and I think what I, you know, with my guests and stuff like that, I think I'd like to see, um, what it's going to look like for you, uh, in the future. Cause now you've, you have a new school. So why don't you talk about to your students and, and to our audience, what it's like to have perseverance you know, um, what it's like to have a small school and to go into a bigger location right during the pandemic and you can't even use it. Okay. So why don't you, um, why don't you end this thing with what it looks like for perseverance for you and for those that struggle, whether it's mental health, how you overcame that and, and, and your, just your thought processes that goes on 
Not that we have don't have weaknesses because we all have weaknesses. We all I yeah. I say this all the time, right? I should keep a PG, but we always have this beast voice or this little B voice, right? Yeah. Little you know biatch voice, right? That that comes out. So, uh, and it comes out daily, you know, whether it comes out ever. So why don't you end with that? And why don't you talk to your people? Sure, absolutely. Yeah, you know, um, I think it's interesting because um, you and I have very different just personalities naturally. But, um, well, I think what connects us is our, uh, values are perfectly in line, you know, um, the, especially those five words that I grew up saying over and over and over again, you know, courtesy, integrity, perseverance, self-control and indomitable spirit. Um, you know, when you, when you talk about them and think about those enough, they become a part of you. And I've, I've really taken those lessons I've learned from you, um, you know, and I've tried to put them into my school straight away from the very beginning. And I, I talk about the lessons I've learned from you constantly. Um, and I try to keep my school in line with yours, you know, pretty consistently as far as what you're learning. And even if, you know, I, we don't teach it exactly the same, um, overall, what we're learning in this big umbrella um, is definitely influenced by your school. So I wouldn't be here where I'm at without you. Um, and as far as perseverance goes, you know, there's there's a saying it's it's a pretty famous saying you've said it to us a lot um but you know you know it's uh talent beats it's hard work beats talent until talent works hard right so mm -hmm. i have all these students that uh they may have some natural talent but but they use that talent to as an excuse to be lazy and and i was that way a lot of the time you know you talk about the Prager brothers and, and we were, we were talented brothers. You know, we had some physical gifts of jumping high and, and being able to flip and do all this stuff. But there was big periods in my life where I, I just wrote on that and allowed myself to be lazy both in life and at school and in relationships and specifically in my martial arts until, um, you know, I was knocked down by life quite a few times and I had to, and I had to lose that attitude of, of, you know, of my talent will take me places and realize that the only thing that's going to take me places is hard work and sacrifice and being willing to take risks, you know, the risk of moving out of my um, 900 square foot school uh, into a brand new location, double the size, double the rent cost, um, and then COVID hits, right? And then having the hard work to persevere through that, losing half your students, um, and how do I, how do I deal with that for a year? Um, besides just working hard, making YouTube videos, running zoom classes and giving everyone the best experience I can until eventually now we're back above our pre COVID numbers finally. So my That's message me. finally to all my students, I guess that are listening is, um, you know, all of you have it in you to, to put aside your ego and realize that um, you can be capable of doing great things if you're just willing to put in the hard work. Yeah, that's good. That's 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 a great that's a great ending. It's it's been great to see. I mean, all of us buckled down during COVID. You know, you you know you you're coming back. You know, surviving Jason Flame and uh, John Viverka and all all of our guys that have these schools, Carson out there. I mean, it the no quit attitude showed right up the week that they said we're going to shut down. And none of us took it. Kemmer, none of us. We were like, okay, we're, well, we need to, we need to figure this out because we need to. And then now look at the byproduct, what we have, right? Tell me yeah. that pandemic did not have, uh, affect our, the children that we, whose lives we are. Great. I mean, it is a nightmare, dude, to, to watch them, how out of shape some of them are, 
and how scared some of them are, how scared they are today. The mask on them all the time, mask on our kids 24 seven where they don't breathe and they can't there. I'm just like, what, 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 what are we doing here? Can't go to school. And, and then to see that trying to work through that, what mental health issues are we going to have down the road because of this thing? Okay. You know, and, and so it's just been, uh, it's been good. This has been, a, I think, a really good, um, good interview as far as, uh, you know, get, people get to know you a little bit more. It was good for me. I, it, you know, it's like talking to my children as a grown man yeah. now. You know what I mean? So I can, I, I, I can hear, uh, get some better, better feedback from you, uh, constructive criticism from those guys, from you guys. And uh, I, I know you guys are a little bit timid on how to do that with me because if it comes out wrong it's it's you know you're gonna you're gonna poke a bear and then that's just you know i still have my own issues that i work on when it comes to all that stuff but um you're doing great i think you're you're just an uh just been an awesome uh awesome guy and i know i get on your case all the time i know i remember when you opened up your your school and you're like well, I don't work on Mondays, Mr. Cox. I'm like, man, I just jumped all over your case. I'm like, what the heck? What, what do you mean you don't work on Mondays? And I remember having the same conversation with my yes. own son, right? And my son just told me straight up, Michael's like, dad, all you did is ever work, man. I'm not doing that. I'm going to go on vacations. I'm going to go with my wife on vacations. I mean, he's like telling me what's up. I'm like, man, I'll knock you yeah. out, bro. And uh, <laughs> uh, But when I had to come back and listen to that, you know, I'm just, you know, my life was a little bit different and they grew up in this. They see a very, a very alpha male type of dad that was a single dad. And I had a no quit attitude and, uh, you know, and it was thrown at me just like life was thrown at you was thrown at me. Like you're going to sink or swim and the divorce and everything like that. It just, all that did is made me become a better father, which in turn made me become a better instructor. Just like all the stuff that you did, your heart attack, your your father passing, Carson's done. All it did is sharpen that, sharpen the sword to make you better men, to, for us to produce better men and women in this crazy world. And you know, we're not driving Teslas, guys, but we definitely are changing lives. And I wouldn't change it for anything. So proud of you. And uh, I think this was a this is going to be a well listened to. Make sure that you share it. Go back and listen to it. I don't know. Is your mom on today? Did she listen to it today or no? No, she's, uh, I think she's actually at, probably at church, um, you know, for in some prayers for my dad's passing. Uh, she's, mm-hmm. she's always running around, you know, she's a, she's yeah. a worker. Yeah. A so she'll get to get, she'll get to listen to this. So after we're done, just so you guys know, you guys can go subscribe at the YouTube channel. You can always see this. It'll be up on, on both real talk with Mark Cox and on my Facebook. And, uh, I will have the audio out for this probably in, it, it takes a, a few hours. I edit a few okay. things out and then there'll be an audio version of this also that you can just share with everybody. So our interview will be on audio on my audio podcast and on my website and people can go and, uh, listen to it while they're driving and stuff like that. But I would encourage you to, to listen to this. You guys got, you know, anybody that has some mental health issues, uh, especially males, you know, I know it's weird to say because, you know, even my own children going through that, I'm just like, man, I, you know, I just wasn't, I just didn't have that when I was growing up. You know what I mean? I was like, I probably could have used some counseling, but you know me, I was like, man, pull your boots up, man, freaking move yeah. on, bro. And, uh, you know what I mean? So 
it, it's it's been really good. It's been really good for me and, and everybody else listening. Patrick, uh, Rick, uh, Rick just came on and said Patrick has created a legacy that goes beyond his local school. Yeah. Rick, all right, nice. he moved to Utah. He's a military guy. He moved to Utah, but uh, he was a big part yeah. of our school. So thank you, Rick. Yeah, that's good. All right, man. Well, I really enjoyed my time with you. You guys, uh, we'll have this out live for you uh, on uh, audio uh, by the end of day. Hope everybody um, has a uh, an awesome day. Thank you, All right. everyone. Thank you, Mr. Cox. We'll see you. Awesome John just talk. said, John Morrell just can message received loud and clear. Good to see you, John. Bye, you guys. You've been listening to Real Talk with Mark Cox. Real life, real topics, real conversation. We're passionate about motivation, fitness, self-defense, weight loss, and coming at it from a real angle. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. And we hope you had fun. We know we did. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit us up on Instagram and Facebook at MarkCox100. Make sure to subscribe and review. And tell a friend or two about the show. For more, hit up the website at markcox.com. Till next time, keep it real.